Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talking sports, uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show it's Friday. We got a lot to talk about. So you're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up. Come on, let's talk some sports. Give us a call 718 664 9098. Shoot us your emails, Ray and Tay today at gmail.com. The website, really cool, interactive, great interviews, great sports interviews. RayandTayToday.com. We're very active on Twitter, Facebook. Come on, Instagram. We're everywhere. We're, we're for the people, right, Ray? We're, we're common for the people, man. Sports for the people. Definitely. That's definitely. our new tagline. We used to say sports for <laughs> friends. Now we're saying sports for the people. I, you know what? I, I can't be mad at that because we definitely about about the uh, about the folks. So of course we're going to start with the baseball playoffs. We'll get into the some NBA stuff. We're going to have some fun, right? Ray's got the young guns on his mind, so we'll talk about that. NFL, college football picks. Ray, before we get to the baseball, we got to start with this. Coach K is stepping down after the Rio Olympics in 2016, and it was announced today that our boy Colangelo, Jerry Colangelo, has appointed George, I mean, sorry, Greg, I always want to call him George, Greg Popovich, as the head coach of Team USA, I say kudos, great job, can't wait. What are your thoughts? It's funny because it's funny I because thought they'd go somewhere younger. Right. But you can't go wrong with Krzyzewski and Popovich as your coaches. I mean, th- that's awesome. You know, and kudos to Krzyzewski for sticking in there for what is it? This is going to be his – Third Olympics or his fourth Olympics? Fourth third. Olympics. Fourth. No, I think it's fourth. Wow. And then and then Pop is committed for three years, and USA basketball couldn't be in better hands, you know. And great for Jerry Colangelo for making all this happen behind the scenes, and just kudos to to, to the whole professional basketball, you know, FIFA basketball in the U.S. Well, you would think be he- better. All right, you would think he knows how to handle the star players. Uh, He's been a part of it before. But at the same time, how about giving some love and props to Jerry Colangelo? This guy has has brought, um, you know, revamped Team USA and just international and also from 17, uh, 18, like the younger leagues, the uh, Phoenix Suns, the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's got to be in multiple Hall of Fames. How, how fascinating would that be to look at, like, guys that are in, you know, different sport leagues Hall of Fames? This guy could be in baseball and basketball Hall of Fames just for what he's contributed and done. Absolutely. No, you know. know, nothing more needs to be said. This, this guy is really just reshaping American sports. Yeah, no, it's great, Ray. But what we need to talk about is the New York Mets, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 15 years, are back in the World Series. Kudos to them. Ray, Daniel Murphy, seven home runs, 11 RBIs. This guy is Babe Ruth, Rocky Balboa, everything. How, how impressed were you, not only for someone who only had 14 home runs, I think a career high this season in homers, but our pitching and DeGrom and, and all those guys, I don't say ours, but, you know, we're Yankee fans, but the Mets pitching, the, the hitting, the timely hitting from, you know, Cespedes, uh, you know, your boy Travis, David Wright came through a little bit. What were your impressions with the Mets sweep? Remember I asked you that question when the Mets and Royals were both up 2-0, and boy, did the Mets finish strong. So the Mets are very interesting. They're intriguing to me because they've got pitchers that pitch in the high 90s 
and these pitchers have great, great stuff. So the only thing you were worried about is it's their first time. Are they going to know what to do? What if they fall behind? What? But you know what? They've all the games have been close. The Mets have trailed a little bit, but not much. So no, the no, Mets, they never trailed in the series though against the Cubs. They never trailed in the Cubs series. <laughs> that's right. But but in the Dodgers series, I'm, I'm I'm combining the two series. Right, but right. But they right. never trailed in the Dodgers series. So. On the one hand, the Mets haven't faced adversity. So kudos to them for pitching so well that they haven't even faced adversity. And on the other hand, their hitting is overachieving. Daniel Murphy is playing himself out of New York, frankly, which is kind of ironic, right? He's going <laughs> to command money that the Wilpons are not going to pay him. So he's not going to be in New York next year, but he might laugh all the way to the bank and have himself a ring. The Mets are going to – it's going to be very interesting in the next round – because the Met, this is an old school philosophy, right? Pitching and then timely hitting. Granderson and Murphy are playing way above the back of their business card, uh, the business card, back above <laughs> their baseball card, right? Well, they've been is handling that continue? Yeah. <laughs> Is that going to continue? I don't know. I don't know. Well, so six what I'd days like off, to, Ray. The bats have got to cool six down. Days six days off. off. I'd like to see Duda be more consistent. I'd like to see uh, David Wright do a little bit more. He's supposed to be the leader. Cespedes is fine. He needs to, you know, maybe step it up a notch in the playoffs. But you know what? Anytime you have pitching, you're in the game. And nobody's talking about Familia at the back end. I mean, oh. he's throwing up some Rivera-type numbers. I was so, going to say, maybe he's all in all, <laughs> all in all, Mets look really, really good. And like you said, the only thing that might hurt them, they got to set up their rotation, so they're going to go perfectly. And even this kid, Steve Matz, is great, too. Uh, young, He's really you know, good. young stud. Wait till they get Wheeler next year. Who knows? You know, the sky's the limit well, for this picture. That's the question, though, Ray. Do you keep your riches, or do you trade one of them and say, I've got four horses and cologne? And goodness gracious, if Cologne could come back next year and still be in the rotation. Cologne's going to pitch at least 60. I know, I know. But but just think about that. Like That, that to me, is incredible where you could have five studs. Because I think Matt, if this guy continues to stay healthy, because remember, he had Tommy John as well. So he was just coming back recently. If you have – I mean, and we all know Wheeler possibly – Possibly, Ray, could be the best of them all, which is scary to even imagine that. You know what I mean? That's, like, insane to me. So, I, I don't know. I, I just hope they can keep Seth for this. Maybe Murphy leaves the Mets but doesn't leave New York and goes to the Bronx. Who knows? You know, you'd love to see the Mets keep at least Cespedes and possibly all five pitchers. You don't want to see them lose Murphy, Cespedes, and trade one of those five pitchers. That would be the worst for Mets fans. But we'll see how it goes. And let me ask you this, going into the AL, who do you think the Mets match up better against? Now, you know, you know, the philosophies of the Royals and the Blue Jays, but I'll say this, we're not talking about it, but Kendrick Morales, four homers and 10 RBIs. We know Murphy's got 11 RBIs and seven homers. Troy Lewiski, uh, Troy Lewiski's got 11 ribbies, so he's tied with the lead with uh, Murphy. But these bats on Kansas City, they've been belting in, you know, a couple of – I mean, these guys have been hitting like crazy with Perez and, and uh, Escobar's got a great average. Who do you think matches up best against the Mets in that, in that hitting and the pitching staff? You know, I tell you, you know, what, tell if, you I'm what if I'm a Mets fan, I would want, I would the, want Royals the Royals out of the way of because the way. they've done their thing last year. They're hot this year. And, and they tasted it before, I'd, yeah. I'd want to see the Blue Jays. Now, that sounds crazy because the middle of that lineup is ridiculous. However, <laughs> they swing and they're aggressive. Right. And if you get them off and you put them in pitcher's counts early, then you can win. And by the way, with Price, we'll see tonight how Price does, but with yeah. his 7 ERA and he's just not – the David Price of the regular season. He's a defining doing a great moment, batting. Ray, tonight in his career. Definitely a defining moment. Just be, it might just be. So I, I think Kansas City, between their experience, between their their, their clutch hitting, I, I, slight favorite if I'm the Mets to, to play the Royals. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Blue Jays with their free swinging. And the fact is I, I'm not scared of their rotation. You know, Stroman, Price, Dickey, 
you know, you can beat them. Yeah. Well, Marco Estrada was, you know, that was Estrada pitched out of his mind yesterday. Out of exactly. His so mind. so well, I, I don't was, know that he has another one of those in him, but I we'll feel see. like he can give you a good start though, even in the World Series. He's been his stuff, he looks like he's got control of his stuff and I could see him giving you a six to seven inning start. At the same time, I'm not scared of facing the Mets, though, because their lineup does not scare you. So all you say to yourself is, look, these guys throw mid to high 90s, which is great, but that lineup, if we hold down Cespedes, I think he's the key, but if we hold down Murphy and Cespedes and Wright's not been so great – we can we can hold this team to two runs, you know, very easily. So right now, all we have to do is scratch out a couple of runs, two, three runs, and we're in the ballgame. No, you're right. But right now, just the way momentum and everything's been going, even in Vegas, wouldn't you say the Mets would be the favorite over either team? Or do you think the AL automatically is the favorite? Well, the AL has the home field advantage, and I think in 2-3-2 two, two, that's a big deal. And I think that if Kansas City wins tonight, so they don't have to get stretched out to seven, and they can set up their rotation for Tuesday, I think Kansas City would be a favorite. If it goes seven, maybe a little bit different, but I think KC is a slight favorite. Yeah, I could see that. I'll tell you this, you know, obviously NLCS MVP was Daniel Murphy. If the Royals win it, would you have to go Morales as the MVP? I mean, with, you know, what he's been doing and – or do you sort of actually maybe go with Escobar? Like, where would you go? Yeah, CD's Escobar is actually hitting like 500 at the top of the lineup, which is a free swinger. And, you know, what's interesting is that he was batting ninth most of the year because his on-base percentage is not that good. He's no, not no. a legitimate, been you know, traditional get-on-base-by-any-means-necessary type of guy, but he's, he's making good contact. So, you know what? It's hard. I guess it depends on tonight. It may, maybe you give it to a pitcher. I, I don't know. There's uh, it's up in the air. But but Kendrick Morales, well, maybe. Let's make our pick. Is it over? Are they gonna are they gonna finish it off tonight? Who do you trust? Do you trust Price to extend it to seven? Uh, or and who's pitching for Casey Ventura? Is it uh? Yeah, with his with Price's ERA, I don't know. Yeah, it's Ventura against Price. Both of them have not pitched well in the postseason. I think Ventura's Price's got ERA is seven. Up. Uh, what's that? I said Ventura's got nasty stuff, but I I gotta be honest with you, I I like the mojo. I think this is going seven, and I think, really? I, think Price, I think Price turns it around. I think it's it's gonna be some runs though. I think it's gonna be six five Toronto. Price might last like five six innings, but I think um, you know they'll they'll get to him. But I, I think at the end of the day, Toronto wins six five and forces a game seven. I like Kansas City to shut it out to close okay. out the series right here. Price, remember in game two, Price did really well. I think he went, what, five or six innings, shut out six. I think it was six shutout innings, and then got blasted for five runs in the seventh. And that's the problem is that Toronto really doesn't have a middle relief that, that the Royals do. So no, the Toronto bullpen is really not good. I know. So they're going to expect Price to go deeper in the game, and that might be a problem like it was in game two. So I think Kansas City nips and tugs and, and claws, gets Price out of the game, and then blows it open in the seventh or the eighth. So I, I like Kansas City in this game 6-4. Okay. You know, either way, I I can't say – I, I Either team that wins, I'm very excited for the World Series. We're Yankee fans. We're happy for the Mets, you know, from New York. But either way, I think the matchups will be fascinating. And I look forward as a sports fan and a baseball fan, you know, to to check that out. Ray, it's time, man. It is time for Sunday. We have got to talk about week seven how it started last night and how we see it on You are now listening to the NFL Talk Ray Ray That explosion was beast mode running all over the Niners last night 
in a 20 to three destruction and spanking. Jim Tomsula has got to be in the worst spot. Kaepernick, I think, will be on the Eagles next season. I feel like the Niners, it, the only guy that's consistent is Navarro Bowman. And, you know, second in the NFL in tackles. Ray, I'll say this, 31 sacks for Russell Wilson. And the Niners at least were trying to get him down. The offensive line is still not there for Seattle, so I'm not in love with them. But this was an easy game to have and win. But it was, what, like five sacks on, on Wilson last night and then six on Kaepernick. It's weird to see him not even try to run it, like on that third or fourth and two. Like, it's, it's bizarre to watch the Niners when you know that this gentleman, Colin Kaepernick, has got oodles and oodles and O's of talent. I feel like they've messed with him so much mentally. He'll never be right in San Francisco, Ray, and he's got to go to Philly or somewhere else and figure that out. What Seattle did was just do what they do, and the Niners have no chance. What was it, 170 total yards? Yikes. Yes, something like that. that. You know, know, (laughs) this is a tale of two cities because by record they were very similar. They're both two and and four coming into the game. But Seattle is still, I I think, an NFC championship team. They need to fix a few things on offense, clean up the defense a little bit. But remember last year they had four losses? They were four yeah, and four. Bobby Wagner was out, yeah. Yeah, and they ended up twelve and four. So yeah, Max Unger hurts, and yeah, Jimmy Graham wasn't incorporated, and yeah, Beast Mode, you know, took it easy the first six or seven games. But you know what? This is an elite team, and it was too bad for San Francisco because they had no chance. About five minutes into the game, you said to yourself, "This team has no chance." <laughs> And you're right about Colin Kaepernick. He needs a change of scenery, something immediately. I mean, the problem is he's making $20 million a year, uh, so I don't know how. No, but remember that contract is funny money. Yeah, there's a weird, right, years. he had some concessions, yeah. and so, yeah, you're right. So maybe he's not he making a, a, a legit $20 million. Yeah, he needs to go. Couldn't I mean, you and see I mean, with Chip Kelly? He's perfect Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Maybe, maybe because he ran at that offense in Nevada in college. And so, interesting. He might, he just, he needs to go somewhere outside of San Francisco. They just don't know how to handle this guy. And and you thought that Harbaugh was gone. He got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback's coach. And you thought that this was the year that he was going to turn it around. And, and, and will the real Colin Kaepernick please stand up? And But they're going against his skills. And I just think, He's too dynamic. Look, he's not frail like RG3. He's not as big as Cam Newton. But he, like Russell Wilson, he knew how to run out of bounds. And to me, remember how he dominated the Packers for those two different years when they played each other? That's, that's the Colin you need to see. And he's got it. He's got, you know, every throw, unfortunately, is a fastball. And so he's still got to work on touch and footwork. But I think that's even improved a little bit more. He actually needs some receivers and talent that can separate. You like Hyde and Bush if they're healthy. Offensive line is really bad for the Niners and the Seahawks. But I don't think Kaepernick's far away. I just think it's got to be a new address or I don't know. I hate to say this, but it's only one year. But could they they have hired the wrong coach? Quite possible. Uh, They they have personnel issues too, though. Yeah, so no, no, it's no. not it's not 100% on the coach, but yeah, you know, you, you got you reap what you sow, right? You wanted to get rid of Harbaugh, and you thought his act was running thin, and he was ornery, and and all of that, and maybe he was, but you can't just replace Jim Harbaugh with anybody. And Jim Tomsulo, I don't know that he's anybody, but I don't think he's long for San Francisco. I, I think he'll be there maybe a year or two, and then they're going to have to get themselves another coach, especially if they have big time. Super Bowl aspirations. They, you can't go from being the best team they're, in the NFL. I kept saying it for three years they were the best team in the NFL. Yeah. They, they look a long ways away. Oh, you know, real quick, Ray, before we get to this Jets-Patriots game and we're going to pick all the games and give our fantasy studs, a shout-out to our guy. I guess they agreed to part ways. Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, you know, no longer with the Dodgers. Looks like he'll land on a seat with the Miami Marlins, Ray. Not to say anything bad about our guy in New York, 
but I'd like to see Mattingly with the Yankees. I just would. I'm sorry. He's a Yankee. I'd like to see him there, but, you know, I'm not asking for the Yankees to fire their current manager by no means. Uh, do you see him with the Marlins? What do you think? How would that He'll how end that up be? somewhere. I can say this. As much as I love Donnie Baseball, and for six years, this guy was a Hall of Famer, and he's still a Hall of Famer in my book, to mm-hmm. quote a line from Remember the Titans. I am not sure, and I don't want to sound blasphemous, so I'm about as big a Don Mattingly fan as there is. I'm not sure how good a manager he is. I just don't know. I don't know if if he's a really good manager. He hasn't proven it. He's had tons of talent. They've had a a roster. Three, two out of the last three years, they've had the the most expensive roster in baseball by a mile. And not to say that's neither here nor there. Right. Horrible chemistry, you know, something's happening in the clubhouse, um, it, but it's not a personnel issue. He's had some really good personnel. Now, granted, they had that big trade with the Dodgers, between the Dodgers and the Red Sox, so I don't know. Bottom line is I don't know that he's a great coach. Right. I don't know that he's, he's not a great team, manager. Maybe we can see if he can prove it somewhere else. Yeah. And the Marlins have, look, a big-time starting pitcher and a big-time hitter something to build off of, and maybe he can be pleasantly surprising with, with the Marlins. We'll see. Who do you think the Dodgers might hire real quick? I don't know. I mean, you've got to have somebody now that can deal with all the egos, not only on the field, but but all their owners. And the stakes are high in L.A. And they're you know, baseball that's, that's guys, right? Brilliant. They brought in from Tampa, and they got – this guy and that guy, it's it's a right. I, but but you're talking about billions of spent for that team. I mean, they need to win. <laughs> That's a high pressure job. You know, they need a they need a guy like a Joe Torre, a, a, a Steve. How about Ozzy Guillen? What about Ozzy getting back in? No, 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 no. Ozzy's not going to – Ozzy's too volatile for L.A. Uh, they Bud need Black. a guy like that's Black? an older guy that's had some success before and can deal with the with the L.A. media and can deal with the owners and that whole Hollywood thing. I don't think that's Ozzy Guillen. I, I don't know Bud who Black. it is, but I'll I have to think about that. Next episode, I'll have somebody for Okay, you. okay. I'll, I'll just say this. They could use our man, uh, Melvin, Bob Melvin from the um, Oakland A's. I think he'd be great. So, anyway, let's get to the Jets and Patriots, Ray. We'll do our stud. I'll tell you this. For me, and we don't always we don't pick with the spread. We, we just give you our picks. But I think the Jets cover that nine-and-a-half spread. And for me, I think the Patriots win, but it's going to be a close one. So, I'm going to say Pats actually win 27-24, late field goal by our boy Goskowski and um, my fantasy says Chris Ivory. I think he, I think he drops a hundred and, and, and maybe two touchdowns in the loss, but I think the Patriots just do enough to win and maybe Edelman has a good game. So little bag there, 27, 24 Pat. I think the spread is about right. I think the Patriots actually win by 13. Um, I, I think Fitzy, Fitzy gets down. Fitzy tries to bring them back. Uh, Chris Ivey's great when you're playing from ahead, but I don't think the Jets will be playing from ahead. I think they'll be losing. So I think that puts stress and pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he turns it over inevitably. It might rain, which might make the game a little interesting. I like the Pats 30-17. to 17. And my stud is the Gronkinator. Rob Gronkowski up the middle for two touchdowns. I'm not mad at you. You know, the Gronkinator. I, I, finally this week I didn't pick the Gronkinator in my FanDuel roster, but, you know, maybe it, it'll be a uh, curse. I figured that Jets front seven, man. Oof. It's going to be a scrappy game. So the New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts, another Super Bowl matchup. I tell you, with the 50th anniversary, and this is not necessarily the NFL's uh, control because everything's grid in terms of the schedule, but it works out that, I don't know, out of the 49 previous Super Bowls, they it seems like this year they have so many Super Bowl uh, former matchups. So this is the one from not too long ago with onside kick and all that and the Saints winning. Saints at Colts, I don't like either of these teams defensively. Uh, I think Chuck Pavano is probably going to lose his job. That call is going to haunt him. 
but I think this week it's going to be too much Andrew Luck. And it might be a little bit of a shootout, actually, because I just don't – I think both teams could score on each other. So I'm going to say maybe 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 Frank Gore gets going with a touchdown and 90 yards and a couple of screen passes. But I'll say that they win 30-26 to 26 Colts over the Saints. Wow, that's exactly the spread, four points. I like the Colts as well. I think the Saints aren't really a good team at home, and they're definitely not a good team on the road. Andrew Luck is back, a full week of practice. Yeah. He's going to do his thing. He might throw a turnover, but I think he throws four touchdowns, and he's my fantasy stud. I think the Colts win 33-24. Interesting one. My Steelers are at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Macklin's questionable. I hope he goes, but I don't know if he will. And this is weird that Des Bryant and Big Ben are now raised up to questionable and both want to go. I think they both should sit out another week. Even with Landry Jones, I think Jamal Charles, that that loss was just too much. The KC defense got a lot of talent, but they seem to be off this year. I think Bell will go left, right, screen pass, up the middle. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, to me, will be the fantasy stud. I say it's 27-20. Steelers win. Bell has two touchdowns, 50 yards receiving, 95 yards rushing. You're right. When Jamal Charles went down, this team might be the worst team in the NFL. And Ooh, not that bad. It's a Come shame. On. No, uh, no, by record, they might be. I mean, oh. they're 1-5. They're not going to win more than three or four games. They uh, might be in line for that first pick, man. I'm telling you, D- Detroit and them, uh, you know, maybe you throw in Jacksonville. I don't know. They'll be top so, five worth records. Yeah, they'll definitely be top five. So this team, you know, it's funny. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which I, I don't understand that. Uh, well, but I think that Landry Jones yeah. gets a week of practice. Um, the best player on the field is Le'Veon Bell, and I think he gets the ball over and over and over again. However... That's not my fantasy stud. My fantasy stud of the week is going to be Tavy Tave Martavius. Right. Just like last week. You can never double team him because that means that Antonio Brown only gets single coverage and you don't put a seventh or eighth guy in the box for Le'Veon Bell. So this guy will always be single teamed. And one-on-one, Tavy Tave is going to do his thing, score two touchdowns, and I like the Pittsburgh Steelers 30. Yes, I think I think you guys are going to put up 30, even on a good defense. But I just think I just think the, the, their heart is, is just crushed. So I got 30 to 20 Steelers. I'll say this before we go to the next game, not to be mean, but because my birthday is on the 10th, I love that Brian is redeeming the number 10 for my favorite team, the Steelers, because Cordell Stewart, he ruined the number 10 for me. Oh, uh, for stop. The yes, and Martavis <laughs> Bryant is rejuvenating the number 10 Steelers, baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. So the Houston Texans, this is an interesting game of teams that should have been better, haven't been. The loser, their season's over. The winner is still alive. Houston Texans at the Miami Dolphins. This one is hard to read because you kind of don't know which team is going to show up. And I think actually both of these teams show up well. and might be the game of the week, underrated game. I think for some reason, just because they're at home and I think they got a little mojo with the tough talk from Dan Campbell and the talent is actually playing like they have the talent that they have, I think that the Dolphins win a tight one. 24-23 24-23 over the Texans. And my fantasy stud is going to be uh, Landry Jones. I mean, uh, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. <laughs> yeah, all these J, J, L, L, J. So Jarvis Landry, uh, seven catches, a touchdown, about 94 yards. Fantasy stud. The best player on the field in this game is my man, Arian Foster. Oh, Yeah, I think so. When he's healthy, oh. he is the man. And 
those guys those guys are on the defensive line and and they do their thing and and they're really excellent players first team all pro you know but i think that the guy that really can change the fortune of the whole franchise jj watt is a great player but for some reason he's not making an impact on that defense right but i do think that when arian foster runs the ball everything clicks for the texans and i think he's going to run and I think he's going to catch it out of the backfield. And I think he's going to be my fantasy stud. Not because I have him in my league, but because he is really, when he's healthy, one of the top three backs in the league. And I think he's getting there. He's got three weeks of practice under his belt now with that you know awful surgery that he had on the offseason. So I think the Houston Texans take care of business. They go down to Miami. Miami's not some real home field advantage for the Dolphins, right? A lot of celebs in there, you know. It's not like playing in Kansas City or Green Bay uh, or Pittsburgh, right? So I like the Houston Texans behind my main man, Arian Foster. So I like the Houston Texans 27-20. This is a fascinating game because it's an NFC East division rival game in a division that it's like they're playing hot potato. You don't necessarily know if it's the worst division of football. You definitely know it's not the best, but the Cowboys are at the Giants. Gregory's back. I think Bryant wants to play, but I think it'd be the wrong move. They're two and three. Giants are three and three. Put up a a, a disgusting, embarrassing performance on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. They're at home. But for some reason, Ray, I think putting in Matt Castle, maybe they're rotating McFadden, Christian Michael, Randall. I didn't like what I saw out of the Giants. I really didn't. And I think the Cowboys, for some reason, whether it's just the the excitement of seeing Bryant back at practice and maybe being a week away, and I hope they don't let him play this week, but maybe they do. I think the Cowboys actually pull out this game against the New York football Giants, And I think my fantasy stud, <laughs> hate to say this, is going to be Matt Castle. I think he does enough, no interceptions, two touchdowns, maybe 256. And the Cowboys win a weird game 21-17 over the New York Giants. Wow. I would love that outcome. <laughs> but when Romo and Bryant went down, I told you I don't think the Cowboys will win a game without the two of them. If one of them comes back, it's possible. But without the two of them, now the Cowboys took went to overtime with the Saints and you know maybe played uh, at bits and you know they were ahead in the second half against the against the Falcons and it fell apart. But Cowboys are gonna get blown out. They are playing a division rival who played terribly last week, but the Giants are notorious for that. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Eli Manning has amnesia. He won't remember what happened last week. He's just going to go out there and do his thing, and he's going to throw for 350, and he'll be my fantasy stud, and I think the Cowboys get blown out. I think that Matt Castle isn't very good. There's a reason why Whedon was started over him. Not that Whedon's that good either, uh, but I have a feeling Cowboys just get blown out. I think the Cowboys lose, I'm going to say, 27-13. That's fascinating. Okay. You, you Listen, I give you credit. You've been rough on your team, but, you know, they haven't played bad. They could have won that Falcon game as well. So we'll see. Sunday Night Football, this is really – a good matchup, two teams that can find themselves very easily in the playoffs. They could actually meet up again. I think, you know, statistically, maybe not so, but I think the way it's been playing out, Cam Newton is probably in the MVP conversation, especially if they keep going this way. He's second in the team Cam. in rushing, only a couple yards behind uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Their defense has not been healthy, but they're playing great. Jared Allen gets going this week. You know, you like that Eagles win over the Giants, but I don't think it was legit and real. I want the Eagles, you know, they were my Super Bowl pick, so I want them to continue to win. 
but I don't see it this week. Not against this team and not against this defense with uh, Keekly back. Uh, there'll be some points, though. I think it's 26-23. Carolina wins at home. Greg Olson, eight catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns on the Eagles. I think DeMarco Murray gets a little bit, not enough. And I think uh, Carolina Panthers stay undefeated. And um, Killer Cam and Greg Olson, man, they march to, uh, what, 6-0. and I apologized last week to Killer Cam. Yeah. And I might have to apologize again to him next week because I don't think this Carolina Panthers offense is any good. And if you stop Greg Olson, I think you basically stop this team because they have nobody in particular um, on offense except for Cam Newton, right? We talked about doing more with less. Well, he's doing more with lesser than less. Jonathan Stewart is way past his prime, um, and and he's been fighting injuries his whole career. So poor guy, you know, great career coming out of Oregon. His receivers, I guess Funches is back, uh, but for the most part it really comes down to Greg Olson. But if you double-team Greg Olson and you put a spy or, or keep your eye on Cam Newton, I don't see how this Panther team scores. So unless they score on defense – uh, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I think the Eagles are going to go there, and it'll be a tight, low-scoring game. But I think the Eagles win 23-20. Eagles on the road. Who's your fantasy In Carolina. Guy? That's right. They knock off one of the unbeatens. Who's your stud player? My stud for the Philadelphia Eagles is actually a guy who may not even get enough carries, but I'm going to say he's my stud, Ryan Matthews. Ooh. I'm going to say he's going to go and break a few in the open field. He's better suited for that offense than DeMarco Murray is. So, you know, that's another team that should make a trade and get rid of Murray. But Ryan Matthews had his ups and downs in San Diego, but you know what? He's he's a better open field runner, and he's better suited for Chip Kelly's offense. And he'll get a hundred. Let's say he'll get ninety running, seventy receiving, and he'll score a touchdown. Wow. Well, listen, that's 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 a wrap for the NFL. College football. There's not much this week. We start off, and you know it's fascinating because. They, you feel like, and I think it's not this, it might be still two weeks away. I, I don't know the exact date for the college football playoff to start. I want to say it's this Tuesday coming up, but it might actually be the following Tuesday. But it's coming in terms of, you know, the official uh, rankings. But you got number 15, Texas A&M, and number 24, Ole Miss. This game might have three to four first-round picks in it, you know, with uh, the linebacker for Texas A&M, Miles Jarrett. The big offensive lineman for Ole Miss, you, uh, he's back and healthy. You got uh, Kandichi. So this is going to be fascinating in terms of talent. Everybody thinks it's all about A&M, but I got to tell you, I think Ole Miss, they're not trying to leave the top 25. They're at home. They will step up to their opponents, you know, even though they did have their loss uh, that they had. I think it's time for them to wake up and turn it around. I think Kelly plays better. And I think Ole Miss gets it done. At home, hypes up, crowd roaring. I'll say 31-27, Ole Miss beats a and I like where you're going with this. I think uh, Chad Kelly outplays Kyle Allen, and Ole Miss takes care of business. This Ole Miss defense should be better than allowing 22 a game. I mean, like you said, yeah. come draft day, you're going to hear a lot of Ole Miss Rebels. A lot of juniors on this team, seniors on this team, starting with Robert Kimdiche, he that that team's got some studs on defense. And I think they'll be able to contain the A&M offense. And this kid, Chad Kelly, when he's right, can throw – I mean, he's, he's thrown a few too many interceptions. He's got seven interceptions already on the season, but he's got 16 touchdowns. So I think he'll open it up, and I think Ole Miss in the second half will take care of business. 
Um, they didn't look good in that Florida loss, uh, but you know what? I think they're I think they're ready. I think they're ready to to, to uh, you know they got surprised that they got beat. So so think of the roller coaster they went on, right? They didn't look good against Florida. They just banged out a fifty-two to three victory the next week, and then lose to Memphis. So they got caught sleeping, maybe looking ahead to Texas A&M. So I like the Ole Miss team. I like them to put up some points at home. Thirty-one. 23 Ole Miss Rebels. Now, I'll say this before we get to the Utah game. Uh, number 18 in the nation, they're like, nobody slept on us. We're just smacking cats in the mouth. The Memphis team is legit. And Justin Fuente, like I said, he's the up-and-coming head coach. I think they beat Tulsa on the road. But I think he winds up next year somewhere in the Big Ten or ACC with a good job. I'm hoping he goes to the Terps. But you watch him. He's going to be the next star in college football head coaching. And listen, props to Temple, another ranked team who won last night, and give UCLA credit. You know, well, props to, exactly. Props to UCLA for for beating who, you know Cal and Jared. Yeah, Garth. turned around. They're, you know, their season's not over yet, and they're trying to save face and keep face. And maybe they show that Cal is uh, not a legit top twenty team, uh, ranked twenty. So you know, props to them. So number three, Utah, who's actually in Vegas, doesn't always get it wrong, actually an underdog at USC. Uh, maybe Clay Helton's got something going for USC and can get them hyped up. Ray, I, I don't believe the hype. I don't believe Vegas. I don't believe uh, USC. Even though I, I loved how they played in that Notre Dame game, they had heart. I think heart goes out of the window when you face Utah's Devontae Booker, Wilson's playing good enough, and the defense, they just they bring the lumber. And I don't think UCLA four quarters is – I just don't think they're going to be ready for a dogfight. I really don't. So I'm going to take Utah pulling away a little bit, maybe late. I'll say 34, 34-24 Utah wins at USC. I like where you're headed with this. I think if you look at the team statistically, they're very similar in terms of points allowed, points per game. I think Utah, mm-hmm. uh, Southern Cal has a couple of big games uh, by Cody Kessler, statistically big games, right? He's still going to put up a big number at the end of the year in terms of yards and touchdowns. I mean, he'll be over 30, and, and he'll be over you know, maybe close to 3,500 yards. But you're right. I think Utah is just a better team. I think they find a way to get Booker the ball, Devontae with an A-E at the end. And they go into USC. And USC is just too much turmoil. I mean, they might rally around each other and get, you know, and get this thing, get this ship righted, but I don't think so. You're right. I I like the Utah team and I think they're going to go in there and I think they're going to win pretty easily. I think they win 31-24. So, before we get to our NBA, we got a uh, yo that's my guy. We we'll start off with the young guns, Ray and Tay, we're going to do our our starting five of the young players up and coming in the league 3 years in or younger. Two potential upsets, Ray. Watch Miami hosting number 6 Clem- Clemson, maybe playing for their coach's job and just, just watch them, and and I want to see what you think about that. And then also, watch Michigan State having a, a you know, it was too much excitement, too much in the lucky win, playing against a, at home, but playing against a tough Indiana team. So those are the two I'm putting on alert. Woo, 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 Tay's upset alerts. What do you think? Uh, well, that Indiana team has been playing well all year. They yeah. were falling short, but you know what? That Big Ten is still pretty tough, you know. Even a banged up uh, Michigan State team in Michigan and 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 Ohio State, you know, underachieving. But maybe I, I like this. I like this Indiana team. They can run the ball. They might. I, I'll go with you on that one. On that upset alert. And also, we got to mention JT Barrett is back, starting. Starting. A lot yeah. of people feel like that was long overdue. You know, um, so we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But just just watch Miami and watch Indiana. It, it, it's, it's possible. You got to 
believe in the impossible and it's possible. I'm going to let you start first, Ray. Let's get to our starting five young guns coming into the NBA season. Who you got for me? So these are Ray and Tay's young up-and-comers and people that we're going to keep our eye on for the next five to ten years. So I tell you what, my backcourt is explosive, and my front court is athletic, and I got a guy who can score. So let me start with, I feel like Jerry Colangelo. I just built me a team <laughs> right here. So my backcourt has two guards, and I'm calling them guards because they, they can play the point, they can play the two. They're a little undersized to be like a legitimate two, but they both can play. These guys are ball Lures. Number one guy is C.J. McCollum, the kid from Lehigh who beat Duke in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had a healthy start to his career, but I think now that Wes Matthews is gone, he's going to do his thing alongside uh, Dame Lillard in Portland and look for C.J. McCollum to put up not only statistically big numbers, but he's going to impact the game. And that might be one of the Nice young backcourts in the league, McCollum yeah. and uh, Dame Lillard. My okay. other backcourt mate is Ooh. a guy that I believe is going to be special. Uh-uh. And I think the Lakers did the right – I can't believe it because I, I usually go for the big man. But the Lakers may have done the right thing by taking this guy, especially if he turns out to be as studly as I believe he will. D'Angelo Russell. He's a lefty. He's smooth. He can play the one. He can play the two. He can ball. He can defend more than people think. And this guy has a has a real shot at being a star in the next two, three years. So I like my little, you know, versatile backcourt. My small forward is a guy coming off rehab. You hate to see a guy 25 games in going, but he's got an old man game especially Mm -hmm. offensively, and I say that in the most respectful way possible. This guy knows how to score. He's from the old school in that respect. His offense is pure. He's got to work on his D, but you know what? He's got young, athletic studs around him, so I don't think that his D is going to be that critical. Uh, He's got Michael Carter-Williams. He's got Henson. He's got Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's got a defensive-minded coach. He'll play enough D. Jabari Parker, folks, of the Milwaukee Bucks, will score 20 a game this year. I think he's that talented offensively. And if not this year, then definitely next year. You know, maybe the first year back off your knee injury, you're not at 100%. But he's nice. Speaking of nice, I got myself a young, studly, athletic power forward by the name of Aaron Gordon. You remember him as a freshman phenom. You remember him playing at the University of Arizona. You remember him disappointing a little bit last year. But as my man Tay likes to look at Summer League, he dominated Mm -hmm. Summer League. 20 and 11, just did his thing. He was a lot of times the, the most athletic player on the court, that young athletic four. He can get up and down. He's working on his offensive game. Still can't shoot that well. But you know what? Aaron Gordon is going to do his thing this year for Orlando. And finally, you got to go international. And you got to say that this guy was playing big overseas. He played big against Spain. He played big against all the comers. And he is on a Utah team that is very interesting. We'll talk about this in our NBA preview. But my man, Rudy Gobert, has got some things going. And look at his improvement year to year, second to third year. I look for Rudy Gobert to do big things, to be a defensive stud, to be a more – so somewhere between a Marcus Camby and a Dikembe Mutombo. So I like how he defends the rim. He's got to work a little bit on his offensive game, but in terms of defense, that's my guy right there. So that's my starting five right there. I got offense in the backcourt. I got scoring at the small forward. I got two athletic defensive-minded studs in the front court. That's my young guns right there. I like that team. 
that's that's one of those little rosters you'd be like, you know what, I need to throw that in some NBA 2K and see see uh, let the either play with it or see how to simulate a rocks because that that seems like a nice nice little roster there. So I'm not mad at it. I definitely like that backcourt and you got the scoring with with Jabari who will drop 20 a game easily. So for me, went a little differently. I'm going I'm going with some defensive. A team is crazy defensive. I like the backcourt of MCW, the former rookie of the year with the Sixers, now with the Bucks. We've both taken some Bucks, and they're going to be a talented team. Michael Carter-Williams, 6'6". If he can get a little bit of a jumper, his coach is Jay Kidd. He's got a little Jay Kidd in him. If he can learn how to shoot and maybe hit the three, his speed and length, he could be dangerous. Definitely a defensive player on a defensive team. At the two guard, this guy is on the verge of becoming maybe the best two in the East soon. An all-star, he's going to battle with Wade and Butler and some of those twos, Victor Oladipo. The Orlando Magic, ladies and gentlemen, watch them with Scott Skiles. They can be a sneaky good team this year. Give a lot of teams some trouble if you go to Orlando and kind of sleep on them. So watch my man Victor O who I think this year could up, be up to 18 or 20 points a game, four and four on the assist and rebounds. I think he's, he's going to put up some impressive stats. As a small forward, I'm going with the rookie of the year from last year, another young gun from a team full of young gun shooters, Andrew Wiggins. I don't think you've seen how special he can be yet. He might even be this year in Toronto's All-Star Game in the dunk contest battling his backcourt or, or teammate, Zach Levine. Wiggins can do it all, but he likes to play defense. He's learning how to hit the mid-range game. And that's a rarity. Somebody oh, yeah. coming into the league being an excellent defender. Yes, and that's, that's what I like to see. And I think he's up to that challenge. He can play the two or the three. But I think overall, as he grows into the body, he's the perfect prototype 6'6", small forward. I, I think it's going to be real, real nice to watch this kid develop and play. At the four, it's almost like he's a rookie all over again with your boy, D'Angelo Russell, because last year he got hurt the first game of the season, didn't even play 25 like Parker. It's Julius Randle. The, and he's I a mean, lefty. Another lefty, Ray, you know Ray's happy. He might be a Laker fan soon, Ray, ladies and gentlemen, with all those lefties. But trust me when I tell you, Julius Randle is a man-child, and I think he got healthy. He worked with Kobe. Kobe was in his head, helping him to get back from the injury. And you're going to see the Laker team could be dangerous. They, they, they might fight for that eighth spot if everything broke right with, with Hibbert losing weight, Kobe staying healthy, D'Angelo and Randall being beast, uh, you know, Claxton, you never know. But uh, Jordan Clarkson, I like Julius Randall, my young gun power forward. And at my center, he could play the four. He could play the five. In this day and age of the NBA, he would be the prototype five. Carl Anthony I'll score anywhere on the court towns from Kentucky to Minnesota with him, Wiggins, Levine. You better watch out. Now they got Pekovic. So he, Pekovic might start at the five and Towns at the four, but he'll play a lot of five for this team. And he is going to be learning from Kevin Garnett, Tayshaun Prince. It's a perfect place to go and develop and learn with all those young studs. Watch out for Carl Anthony Towns, pick and roll. He's going to kill you. He'll, he could probably hit some threes, but there's no need for him to do that. But he'll hit the 12, 15 foot, footer like butter. And he showed in Kentucky he can score in the post. Watch out for my young guns. Woo! I'm hyped up, Ray. This I NBA like that. I like that. Tuesday. It comes Tuesday. Our preview show is Tuesday, 7 p.m. Of course, we'll be on Monday with the World Series preview and the football and all that. But check us Tuesday, Ray and Tay, with our NBA preview show. Ray, our, our final segment, we have to bring it back. People love it. It's popular. Yo, that's my guy with the NBA focus. Who the heck is Ray's guy? I got to tell you, I didn't even I didn't realize, realize that he was Channing, Channing Fry's, Fry's cousin. cousin. What? 
but my guy is Tobias Harris by way of Islip and Dix Hills, Long Island, representing, went to the University of Tennessee and just quietly was under a lot of people's radars. Got drafted by the Bobcats at the time before they were sold. They were still called the Bobcats and (laughs) did his thing slowly you know, went to Milwaukee, then Orlando, and last year, could there have been a quieter 17-6 and six in the NBA than Tobias Harris? I feel like he doesn't get a lot of love. He doesn't take a lot he of field goals. He got it in free agency because they didn't want to let him go, Ray. That's true. That's true. He, he played his hand right like that. But I really believe that he is young and studly. And, you know, Aaron Gordon's on that team, and they've, they've got your boy Victor Oladipo. So I really believe that Tobias Harris, my guy, is going to be one of these guys that maybe is just shy of an all-star team, but mm. is always going to be considered one of the, you know, elite forwards in the Eastern Conference, almost like a Luau Dang type. You know, really good player, maybe not a stud. You know, maybe he's not Jabari Parker, but he's really good, and that's my guy. I like him. I like his game. I like that he brings it every night. So you like his name and his game, Tobias. Exactly, and and Channing Fry's cousin. You know, that that, that, uh, – that, hey, that's more. a great veteran for the Magic. If if he's healthy and can spread, you know, the stretch four and Gordon develops and gets better, you know they got my guy, Nikolai Vubacek, who I think is the most improved and, and should have been an all-star last year's center. The Magic with, I'm telling you, with Scott Skiles, yo, folks better watch out. The Magic and the Bucks are two teams that are coming to play every night in the East. And they'll, they'll, they'll upset some Western Conference teams. You better watch out for those two teams, man. They're for real this year. So, Ray, I'm out here in the desert four years, and this team has been so surprising. Ryan McDonough has developed a team, and, and him and Jeff Hornacek, they've done some things, and they, they, they kind of got ahead of themselves and almost made the playoffs and 48 wins. A couple of years ago, now it's gone down a little. They've cleared the roster again and made some moves. But they had a pretty good draft last season. And one of the gentlemen that they picked didn't get much time, only 14 minutes a game. And he was a professional scorer at NC State. And my man, T.J. Warren, who only had six points a game and two rebounds a game, ACC I'm telling player of the you, year. he – Ray has got game. And this guy, like Jabari Parker, he knows how to make buckets. Now, P.J. Tucker will start at the three, and they've got Chandler at the four, at the five, coming over, put Alex Lem back up center. Marquise, I don't know what I'm going to do without my brother Morris, is at the four. And the backcourt is deadly. Brandon Knight for a full season with Eric Bledsoe. But off the bench, they brought some veterans. So, yeah, Sonny Weems will play a bit. But T.J. Warren is going to probably wind up being the most improved player in the NBA, potentially a six-man candidate. And I think he's going to drop anywhere from 12 to 15 points a game. T.J. Warren, to me, he's got the potential to be a great role player for this team and be someone that at the end of the games he's on the court and potentially have the Suns be in that eighth seed and finally make the playoffs. T.J. Warren, yo, Ray, that's my guy. All right, you got to love him, kind of like a Josh Howard type. You know, ACC Player of the Year, comes in a really good player and a contributor. I like Maybe his not game. not a star, but a good game. He's got a nice game. Yeah. Oh, he killed me in that tournament, though, missing those free throws. I had NC State a couple years ago, oh, and I was I was still upset about that. Yeah, that team was so talented. Yep. Fair. No, All right. Well, we got a great weekend. We got a baseball game starting. We've got some not a great college weekend, but you know what? That's Basketball's so right around the corner. 
Well, look, look for those upsets. Game, I got the Royals. Yes. Yeah, but look for those upsets. Top football, there might be some sneaky good games. I think Alabama, by the way, will handle Tennessee no problem. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back strong Monday talking about all the games, our Cowboys, our Steelers, everything. And uh, let's go, Jets. Thanks for listening. And like always, talk to you. Give me a thing in a mic,